Their fans are just ready, man. They are coiled. They are. We'll be talking about Florida State all offseason. I can promise you because I'm not sure. They're like the Tennessee of this year. Like t- Tennessee fans last year after the season that was 2021, they were coiled, man. They were ready to spring. Always College Football with Greg McElroy is presented by AT&T 5G. Too much college football is never too much with AT&T 5G. Hello and welcome to Always College Football. It is the Tuesday edition. It is December 13th and we appreciate so much you coming to us from wherever it is you're coming to us from. Well, that's ESPN's YouTube channel. Or if you're here with us via the podcast, please like, rate, and subscribe. It helps us out. It helps the show out. Continue to hit us up in our social media. We're going to be getting back with you. We're going to be interacting with you. We're going to take those questions that you send us, and we're going to put them in a future show. So continue to hit us up on social media at alwayscfb on both Instagram and on Twitter. And of course, you can always email the show at alwayscollegefootball at gmail.com. We have a huge show in store for you today. We're going to get to surprising teams and surprising for all the right reasons, right? We have plenty of surprising teams for all the wrong reasons. We can do that at a later date. We kind of tore up the Heisman yesterday. So today is a day to be positive. Today is a day to try to find the silver lining. So we're going to talk about some of the great surprises that the 2022 season provided us. We're actually going to go league by league and not just exclusive to the Power 5 leagues. We're going to tell you the five most surprising teams from the Power 5, but we're also going to tell you the five most surprising teams from the group of five as well. We had ideas about a lot of these teams, several of which these teams way, way exceeded expectations, or in some cases, maybe one specific part of their team was a little bit different than we anticipated, maybe further ahead than we anticipated. So a lot that we need to get to when it comes to the most surprising teams of 2022. And we're going to play a little low-hanging fruit like we do from time to time. So without much further ado, it's time for Let's Talk About It, presented by AT&T 5G. All right, Let's Talk About It, presented by AT&T 5G. We told you that we want to talk about some surprise teams, right? Like that's always one of my favorite topics when you're kind of just diving into the teams that really caught us off guard this year. And to be honest with you, and I don't usually like to like pat ourselves on the back, right? Like we've actually did pretty good. Like if you want to go back and look at some of the shows from July, you know where to find them. You can look them up. If you want to look at some of the shows from August, we actually did a pretty decent job of pointing to teams that we say, all right, hey, keep an eye on this team. I think they got a chance to be pretty solid. Keep an eye on this team. Hey, don't sleep on this team. Now, there were some we didn't see coming, like Tulane, okay, who is our surprise team in the American Athletic Conference, okay? I don't need to explain to you why. I mean, <laughs> they're playing in the Cotton Bowl for crying out loud. Like, <laughs> obviously, they were a surprise team after losing 10 last year, winning 10 this year, 11 now, if you count the conference championship and the emergence that we've seen from several of their players. Nothing about Tulane. Uh, nothing about Tulane did we see coming. Like, I mean, I thought this year it'd be UCF, right? <laughs> like, that's kind of who I was riding with, riding with Houston and UCF in the American. I was wrong. Okay. Congrats to Tulane. What a phenomenal, phenomenal season. You are the surprise team in the American. Moving on to the ACC. Now, 
some of you might say, well, North Carolina, they played for the conference championship. That was a surprise team. Y'all, we had North Carolina winning the Coastal. So uh, they weren't really that big of a surprise to me. I, I thought that the Coastal might be kind of average. thought the Coastal might be kind of disappointing. And frankly, I thought North Carolina would be probably like 9-3, and three, maybe 10-2. and two. But I obviously didn't think that they'd be that porous on defense. I thought the offense would have a chance to be pretty good. I didn't think Drake May was going to be a top 10 finisher in the Heisman Trophy. But I didn't really find myself that caught off guard with North Carolina. The team that I was caught off guard for, besides Duke, who, by the way, finished 8-4 and four in Mike Elko's first season. Very surprising. Credit to Elko. He was the ACC Coach of the Year. But the team that I was not prepared for this type of breakthrough was Florida State. Now, I've now called Florida State's season opener five consecutive years. I have seen Florida State every year. <laughs> every year. And by the way, my mom, full disclosure, my mom, a Florida State Seminole. So understand that this comes with a little bit of love. I grew up supporting Florida State. They're one of my favorite teams and continue to be. So I really have enjoyed every opportunity that we get to go to the Doak or get to catch them on the road or get to catch them in the season opener because hope springs eternal. Every year, it's like Florida State's year. They're going to be back. Well, to be honest with you, I never really believed it because I've kind of been rocked to sleep by the Florida State program. Like I almost was a believer when we're sitting there in the booth calling the game against Boise State a few years back. They're up 35 to 7. I'm sitting there thinking, looking at Dave Pash, like, dude, Florida State's for real. He goes, heck, yeah. Well, sure enough, that Boise State team flipped it around and got things going in the other direction. And next thing you know, it gets sideways. Then the following year, it's like, all right, well, I know this is going to be Mike Norvell's first year. He's going to get it going, like feel great about what he's got. Very excited. He's going to be playing against Georgia Tech. It's be a perfect way to get things started here in the 2020 season. And then sure enough, it wasn't to be. Then the next year, it's like, oh boy, they got Notre Dame coming to town. Notre Dame's a legit playoff contender. Florida State, I don't know how big of a stride they're going to take. This Jordan Travis guy's, you know, not sold on him. It's going to be Mackenzie Milton, perhaps. Like, we'll see. And then sure enough, boom, they give Florida State the Florida State gets things going. They make it interesting. They end up losing the game, but it's like, wow. The progress from where I saw them two years ago to where I've seen them now, the progress is remarkable. You can just tell they're getting a little better and a little better and a little better to the point now where they're competing with some of the best teams in America. Well, then the next four games, it was like, shoot, what happened? We were all fired up in the moral victory that Florida State had against Notre Dame, only to be let down because they start the season 0-4. Now, I was really impressed with how they flipped the script after that point. Could have been very easy for a lot of teams to just go in the dumpster and just shut it down for the season. Florida State didn't. They continued to fight to get within striking distance of a bowl game. They ultimately came up short. But I thought with how they finished the season last year, there might be an opportunity to get things going in the right direction. When I say get things going, I'm talking like seven wins. I didn't think 10. And like I told you yesterday, I think Florida State might be my favorite pick of the bowl season because I think they're going to dominate. Dominate Oklahoma. I really believe that. Look at what Florida State's done, man. Like the progress that's been shown under Mike Norvell has me feeling so optimistic about the future. 
And this is someone, like I said, that has seen them every year and has seen incremental growth and then really disappointing moments. Well, when I saw them break through against LSU this year, they give up the 99-yard touchdown drive. They block the extra point after the heartbreak that was giving up that last-second touchdown to come back and give all you got to try to sell out and block the extra point to win it. You knew that Florida State was going to be pretty good. I just think that they'd be this good. So they are my surprise team in the ACC this year. Congrats to the Knowles. Their fans are just ready, man. They are coiled. They are. We'll be talking about Florida State all offseason, I can promise you, because I'm not sure. They're like the Tennessee of this year. Like t- Tennessee fans last year after the season that was 2021, they were coiled, man. They were ready to spring. That's what Florida State's going to be like, I think, heading into 2023. Let's move next to the SEC where we talk about the most surprising team, and that's Tennessee. Imagine that. See, you just got to kind of weave through it, and we got there. Tennessee, I thought their offense had a chance to be phenomenal. If you go back and look at some of the things we said on social media, old takes exposed, called us out. Everyone called us out. I said, and SEC Network tweeted it, that the that the I said it on this show, I might add, the Tennessee offense has a chance to be unstoppable. Any Tennessee fan? several ran with it. Georgia fans clipped it. Bama fans clipped it. Everyone clipped it. And everyone's like, oh boy, that's a bold take. I think he's full of crap. But hey, anyways, like we'll see. Well, the offense at times was pretty dang unstoppable. Now they weren't against Georgia. I get that. I know that there wasn't a great performance against the dogs. I understand. They didn't play great offensively against South Carolina. And they did some nice things in that game. They didn't play great offensively against Pitt. But for the most part, man, that offense was pretty dang good. But what was most surprising to me was how far they came on defense. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're going to sit there and say, well, they gave up six touchdowns to Spencer Rattler and 63 points in the process. They they played awful. They played awful at times against other teams that they faced. I'll tell you what, man, that defense for Tennessee this past year, they were so much better than they were the year before. Now, they are not flawless. They still have issues. They still have some depth things that they need to identify. They still have some pieces that they got to figure out at all three levels. But if you look at Tennessee, man, they have really taken strides on that side of the ball. If you don't believe me, look at the performance against Kentucky. I know Kentucky's not great offensively. And in many ways, they're terrible offensively. But either way, Tennessee's defense won that game. I think that there were a few occasions this year in which their defense gave them the opportunity to be successful. The pit game comes to mind. Bad start early. They button things up and they play much better down the stretch. Tennessee is one of my most surprising teams. I thought they'd win seven games, maybe eight. I did not see them winning 10 in the regular season. Not even close that I see them winning 10 in the regular season. Thought seven or eight would be progress with a win in the bowl game, maybe get to nine and four be a great, great season in year two for Josh Heupel. I thought their offense would be able to score with everybody. I just thought they'd give up 40 a game. That wasn't the case. They played pretty well on that side of the ball most of the time, like 75% of the time. Now just got to get them playing at that level 85% of the time. Maybe the offense continues to ramp things up, but maybe a little ball control from time to time as well. And they could be cooking with gas and could be the thorn in the side of the Georgia Bulldogs for the foreseeable future in the SEC East. Moving on now to the Big Ten. In the Big Ten, there are actually quite a few surprising teams that we could pick from. 
The first team that I reacted to, the most surprising, Michigan. <laughs> that was probably the first. Like Michigan, you know, pretty pretty surprising. They could back up what they did last year, replace a lot of key pieces, both offensively and defensively, and still find themselves back in the playoff. But then you kind of get down to it. It's like, we kind of like Michigan's matchup against Ohio State all year long. I guess it was a little surprising that their offensive line was able to plug and play. They go and get in a, in a grad transfer and, and Ola with Timmy. You go get the Remington Award winner. You go get the Outland Award winner from Virginia. You plug them in, off, your, off you go, right? But I still think that that wasn't that shocking. Ohio State, not that shocking that they're in the playoff. I thought Penn State being 11 was pretty surprising, but ultimately Penn State still has got some dudes. And honestly, it, it was not a crazy good year for Penn State, but still a good year nonetheless. Shouldn't come as much of a surprise. They finished third in the division, which we all thought they'd finish third. However, maybe the most surprising thing this year was the fact that the Illinois fighting Illini. Now, I know Illinois is going to probably look, and those that disagree with this assessment, you're probably going to look at it and say, well, how'd they finish? Yeah, I know they lost three of their last four, including three in a row in weeks 9, 10, and 11. Not good, right? Not good at all. But really, starting early in the year, it's a team that gave up two fourth quarter drives in an effort to try to secure victories, they just couldn't quite get it done. Played awful against Michigan State, but to give up a drive against Indiana in week one, after they played so beautifully in week zero against a good Wyoming team, I might add, but to give up a drive in week one to Connor Basilak and company, we all know what Indiana became this year. They went four and eight, one of their four wins to come against Illinois, who was an excellent team in a two-minute drill operation. That almost was a win for the... Illini. And then you have the game against Michigan, where if not for an OPI to the left-hand side, maybe they win that game. It should have been OPI, I might add. It wasn't called, and Brett Bielema about lost his mind. So I think that Illinois, with what they accomplished this year, showcasing Chase Brown, showcasing an offense that had a clear and established identity where they leaned on you with size and power and run reps, it looked an awful lot like Wisconsin, except just slightly in the new age. The Brett Bielema was Wisconsin, but they were at a shotgun. They were going zone read, and they added in some passing wrinkles, too, that I think did enough to keep opposing defenses off balance. I know it was a disappointing finish of the season, but I, for one, did not forecast Illinois winning eight games this year. And if you really get down to it, it could have very easily been 10. Now, you need to avoid the slide at the end of the season next year, but ultimately, what great progress made from year one to year two for Brett Bielema. Like I said, about this far away from winning 10 games, and that was not something that I forecasted coming into the season. Speaking of winning 10 games, I didn't see this one coming. Kalen DeBoer takes over, new program, the Washington Huskies. What a disappointing run. It had been for Washington for quite some time. It felt like it had been years since they were really relevant. Obviously, they went to the playoff back in 2016. So a team that has still had some pride, team that has still had a lot to be excited about, man, everything came apart in 2021. They finished the season 4-8. and eight. They lost six of their last eight games. They got off to an 0-2 start, which included a loss against Montana, an FCS program. So this was a team in 2021 that was like, Golly, this team just can't quite get it going. They had quarterback issues. They had rotated a couple guys. 
Morris had been in there. Heward had been in there. They didn't have much of an established identity running the football. The receiver position was kind of all over the place defensively. There were some good moments, but there were also some moments defensively that just really left you scratching your head. So you're kind of sitting there thinking, man, I don't really know what to make of Washington. And then they get a transfer in named Michael Penix, who was as good as anybody in college football this year at the quarterback spot. Even though he didn't get a trip to New York, even though he didn't necessarily come to mind if you had five spots open for the Heisman Trophy, I don't know if he would have made the top five with me, but he certainly would have made the top six or seven. He was that close and he was that good. But when you assess what they needed from him, he steps right in and look at the offense go. He, of course, had been with Kalen DeBoer previously at Indiana. We all remember what Indiana was there in 2020. When Michael Penix was playing top quality football there in the COVID year 2020, Indiana was a serious problem. And we had kind of forgotten what he was there in the 21 season when he gets a fresh start back with a familiar face and look at the offensive productivity that they had. They were able to eliminate the running back by committee approach, Talia Papa and Davis. They were the two guys that decided to kind of split the reps there quite a bit. You figured out who your guys were going to be in the passing game. McMillan came to the forefront. Odunzi came to the forefront. You had Polk, who had a nice game there early on as well. You look at just how this offense came into form. And then defensively, yes, there were some moments in which you were not real thrilled with how they played on that side of the ball. The game in the Apple Cup was not great defensively. The game against Arizona was not great defensively. Even the game against Michigan State in some ways, especially in the second half, not great defensively. But all things considered, man, this defense, if they can figure out how to kind of hold things together, they could be next year's version of Tennessee. Now, they're going to like and say, well, hang on a second. Look at the 12 next to our name. We didn't do that poorly. No, you didn't. You played beautifully. What a great year. You get a trip to the Alamo Bowl. That's one of the best games in all the bowl season to play against Texas. But if you can just get this much better on the defensive side, man, we're talking playoff. I mean, I think that they are within striking distance of the playoff in 2023. They bring back a bunch of pieces. Michael Penix already announced he's coming back. If he can stay healthy, you can develop a little bit more balance offensively. You can have some pieces step up on the defensive side. You might find yourself in a pretty good spot sooner than later. So Washington, one of the surprise teams of the college football season here in 2022. What a great year for Kalen DeBoer. Couldn't be happier for the progress they showed and the excitement that might be brewing there in Seattle here in the years to come. Finally, we'll get to the Big 12. What a great year it was for Big 12 football. Just an awesome year. Of course, TCU culminating what was an incredible regular season with the playoff berth. I would love, would love to tell you that we saw that one coming. Um, we thought TCU would go over their season win total. Okay, if you go back and watch in July, had a preseason visit with Chris the Bear Felica. We were talking win totals and TCU was my best bet on the board. I thought TCU would fly past their season win total of seven or six and a half, depending on where you had them. However, I don't think any of us forecasted a 12 and 0, then 12 and 1 finished the regular season, culminating in the number three spot and a college football playoff. I certainly didn't forecast that. I didn't. I also thought that Chandler Morris is going to be the starting quarterback because of his mobility and had a little bit more upside, I thought, in the preseason 
compared to Max Duggan, who went on to have one of the most phenomenal seasons we've seen from a Big 12 quarterback in quite a while. Finished second in the Heisman Trophy. But Sonny Dykes, man, it was a program, and we kind of said this in the preseason, it's like, man, this program had gotten a little bit stale. Gary Patterson, love him, think the world of him, but it just gotten a little bit stale. Just need a jolt of life. See a little electricity, and boom, they could be off and running yet again. And that's exactly what happened for Sonny Dykes in what was a terrific first year at the helm in Fort Worth, Texas. Now, we might be talking about this even more here in the weeks to come because they're a playoff team. We'll talk about them down the road. But, man, how could it be anyone other than them when it comes to the most surprising teams in the Big 12? We loved them. We didn't love them this much. So credit to TCU. What a terrific year. We're continuing to break them down extensively in the weeks to come as we get you prepared for the college football playoff. Before we completely put a bow on all this, I already told you that Tulane was the surprise team in the American Athletic Conference. I don't think I need to explain that very much. The surprise team in Conference USA, UTSA Roadrunners. They win the conference championship for the second consecutive year. I didn't see it coming. Full disclosure, they lost Sincere McCormick, lost a couple key pieces last year. They did bring back Frank Harris, but I did not think that UAB would be able to replace some of the ground and pound promise that they had created in the years before. Remember, this team lost two games. They lost to Houston in the first week of the regular season. They lost to Texas. All right. I did not see an 11 and three regular season, 11 and two regular season, excuse me, coming from the Roadrunners of UT San Antonio. Moving on to the Mid-American Conference. I did not anticipate a 9-4 and four year from Ohio. I thought, if anything, it was going to be Miami, Ohio against Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois completely collapsed upon itself like a dying star, so they might have been the most surprising for the wrong reasons. All right? But Ohio, I thought they'd be a middle-of-the-pack team there in the Mid-American East. They end up winning the conference. They end up winning the division. And getting the job, or they end up getting to the conference championship, excuse me, coming up short in a hopes of win, but a nine and three regular season. What another great year for them. Moving forward now, as we kind of wrap things up quickly here with the Mountain West, I was really, really high on Air Force coming into the year. I thought this was finally going to be their year to break through. They were able to come up short, but I was very surprised with Boise State. And it was almost in season when I became extremely surprised because I remember watching them after the UTEP game, they're sitting there at two and two and I'm sitting there thinking to myself like, man, I don't know about Boise this year. Like that team is struggling. Well, sure enough, all they did was lose one more time in the regular season after that performance. And I am very, very optimistic with what I saw from them down the stretch and what they might ultimately become. I know they lost to Fresno. Fresno is a good football team led by a veteran quarterback and Jake Hayner, but I was really impressed with Boise this year. I didn't see it coming, especially after the first month of the regular season. And don't tell me you saw it coming either because there's no way. There's no way you saw that thing coming. I would be surprised at least. Let's go to Conference US, or excuse me, let's go finally to the Sunbelt Conference where the most surprising team in the Sunbelt, James Madison Dukes. Now, I know they weren't eligible for the conference championship game. I know they're not eligible for the postseason. But remember what this team has accomplished here in their first season of FBS competition. Yes, they lost to Louisville. Yes, they lost to Georgia Southern. Yes, they lost to Marshall. But they beat Appalachian State. They crushed Middle Tennessee. They crushed 
Coastal Carolina. They crushed so many teams in their path, Old Dominion. So you look at just how James Madison played in their first year at this level of football. Coach Kurt Signetti's got to be thrilled with the statement that was made throughout the course of this first season. There's so much more to come. I didn't think they'd be able to transition this beautifully. Not only did they transition, they could have very easily won the league if not for some ridiculous and archaic rule in which they're not eligible for the postseason in year one of the FBS. We need to get rid of that rule, I might add, but James Madison, the most surprising team in the Sun Belt. So summing it all up, if we go case by case, in the American Athletic, Tulane. This is going to be in alphabetical order. Tulane, most surprising team. In the ACC, the Florida State Seminoles, the most surprising team team. In the Big 12, how could it be anyone other than the TCU Horn Frogs? In the Big 10, we're going to take the Illini, the fighting Illini of Illinois and Conference USA. Did not see a repeat performance coming from UTSA, the San Antonio Roadrunners. What a performance from them. Mid-American, going to go with Ohio after what was a tremendous 7-1 conference record and a 9-3 regular season. Of course, they came up short in the bowl game in the mountain West, we're going to go with Boise state, especially there at that two and two mark four games into the season to get things flipped and to finish the season as strong as they did seven to one down the stretch tells you all you need to know about what's coming for Boise in the weeks and months to come And the pac 12 went with Washington. What an incredible performance for Kalen DeBoer and Michael Penix. I might add in year number one in the sec, the Tennessee volunteers finishing sixth in college football after what was a breakthrough season in year two for Josh Heupel. And last, but certainly not least, the James Madison Dukes, the most surprising team in the Sun Belt Conference. Let's talk about it. It's brought to you by AT&T 5G. Too much college football is never too much with AT&T 5G. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Every college football season, Goodyear knows the importance of winning on the road. The road will always demand confidence, the confidence to handle whatever the journey brings and to perform under tough conditions. And just like the players and the fans of college football, Goodyear is ready. Are you ready for the road? Visit Goodyear.com to find the right Goodyear tires for whatever road you're on this season. Goodyear, more driven. All right, let's dive in, do a little low-hanging fruit. Mark Kubiak, kick us off. All right, first one here. Coach Prime will build up Colorado, but be gone in three years. Low-hanging fruit or truth? I want this to be low-hanging fruit. I do. Um, Unfortunately, I don't know. Uh, He was at Jackson State, said he wanted to be there forever, said he wanted to give HBCUs a whole nother level, wanted to bring things up for Jackson State and make sure that that was going to be a destination for him. But then again, I mean, this was a pretty big opportunity now to jump into the Power Five. But man, I'm going to have to say at this point, it is low-hanging fruit, I might add, because what we're doing is we're operating under the assumption that he's going to build a dynamic winner 
at Colorado. I, I don't know that for sure. I'm cautiously optimistic. I hope that, but I don't know that for sure. I, I think that there's still a lot to learn and a lot to try to figure out about how Deion Sanders is going to go about his process of being a head coach that's operating under a microscope against personnel and against teams that are comparable in talent or vastly superior in talent, which is very different from that of what he experienced at Jackson State. Every time he stepped on the field, he was the most talented team. So it'll be a little bit different, I think, at Colorado. But ultimately, I still think that he wants to coach at the highest possible levels of the sport. And Colorado, albeit Power 5, it has not operated in that realm in a really long time. So I'm going to say it's low-hanging fruit. But if he does have success, I would not at all be surprised if a program with slightly more bells and whistles comes after him and, and gives him an opportunity to maybe chase a championship. Okay, next one. Moving on here. Jimbo Fisher has hit the panic button, even considering Bobby Petrino is his offensive coordinator. Low-hanging fruit or truth? <laughs> That's low-hanging fruit because I don't believe the panic button exists. Uh, I don't think there's anything quite like that. Bobby Petrino's a really good offensive mind. I mean, you can deny that all you want, but look at, for instance, he's at Central Missouri. Look at the performance that they had against Arkansas offensively earlier this year. Obviously not the same personnel that he's going to have at A&M, but Bobby Petrino can coach some football, man. You don't have to like him. You don't have to appreciate his personality. You don't have to enjoy his track record. And we've all have you know our own opinions about Bobby Petrino as a human being. That's fine. But as we relate to just the football itself, calling offensive plays that are going to be either successful or unsuccessful, he has a pretty good track record of being able to score some points. So I think it's an interesting hire because the personalities of both, both coaches, certainly uh, they think very highly of themselves. And I think it'll be very interesting to see how they coexist. But no, I don't think it's necessarily a panic move. I think it's it's a smart move given the fact that he has a proven track record of success when it comes to putting together quality offensive plans and calling the right play at the right time to maximize the opportunity of the offense. All right, last one here. And this could change, but outside of quarterback, there are no impact players in the portal right now. Low-hanging fruit or truth? That is low-hanging fruit again. You're three for three on low-hanging fruit today. There are so many impact players in the portal, I might add. Now, I haven't gone through, and we will. We're going to go through and spend a little bit of time watching these guys here in the weeks to come. I haven't done it just yet. Been prepping some bowl games. Been trying to get prepared for the postseason. But I know that there was, for instance, let's use Michigan as an example. We've talked about him twice now. How about Olu Oluwatimi? All right, a transfer from Virginia to Michigan. Doesn't play quarterback, but what does he do? He anchors the best offensive line, arguably, in college football there at the center position. And he now has some pretty nice hardware with the Remington, the best center in college football, and the Outland, basically the big guy Heisman, which goes to the best interior lineman, offensively or defensively. Oluwatimi won that. So... All that being said, all that being considered, yes, quarterbacks, they're going to be the first names that we recognize in the portal. But if you told me last year, oh, hey, Olu Olu with Timmy, the center from Virginia, he's going in the portal. 
would I have thought that that was a big deal on paper at this stage of the game? Probably not. No. But fast forward a few weeks, you watch a little tape on Ola with Timmy. It's like, all right, hang on. This guy's a dude. So at this point, yes, the names that you recognize are always going to be the quarterbacks first. But there are a ton of impact players in the portal right now, both along both lines of scrimmage, at wide receiver and at running back and in the secondary. I would say that there is at least two, maybe three impact players at every single position in the portal at, at this point, just figuring out the best ones and figuring out who can potentially make a huge impact at your school, filling whatever void it is he's filling. This episode is brought to you by AT&T, official sponsor of the college football playoff. Is checking your team stats at 2 a.m., watching highlights while eating with buddies, or catching the game during a wedding all too much? Nope, because too much college football is never too much. And AT&T 5G keeps you connected all season long. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Thanks so much for being with us. Please like, rate, subscribe, follow along. It's so much fun to interact with you on a daily basis via our social media and our email. Always CFB on our social media, whether that's the Twitter or the Instagram. Just hit us up there. We look forward to interacting with you on that. And if you want to, Send us an email, alwayscollegefootball at gmail.com. So hit us up. We'll put a question in there. If you submit one, we'll put it in the mailbag. We'll get to it at a future episode. Great, great show today. Really enjoyed hitting all the surprising teams for the good here over the last half hour or so. But guess what tomorrow is? Yeah, tomorrow we're going to hit the surprising teams for all the wrong reasons. Biggest disappointments in some ways here for the 2022 season. So you won't want to miss it. We will dive in. We feel like that's appropriate before on Thursday, we start getting and looking ahead to some of the great games, great matchups, some of the spreads, all the stuff we do. It's a game week, man. We got games coming up in a couple of weeks, but we did both surprising for the good. We also got to balance things out, do the most surprising for the bad. We will do that tomorrow. So we so appreciate it for all of us here. Jack Foster and Mark Kubiak. I'm Greg McElroy. This has been Always College Football with Greg McElroy presented by AT&T 5G. Too much college football is never too much with AT&T 5G. Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.